This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Iran. The killing of a young woman over her hijab and how she wore it has sparked outrage. Uh, You know, more people are joining, more sectors of the society are participating in the protests. You have the students, you have the workers. Ali Reza Jefferzadi is deputy director of the National Council of Resistance of Iran in its Washington office. Um, You have women heavily involved. You have all sectors of society in all 31 provinces of Iran. And and this Iran uprising, many people are chanting, don't call it uprising, it's a revolution. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The situation in Iran has gone from bad to worse. We started several weeks ago talking with Ali Reza Jafarzadi. He's deputy director of the Washington-based National Council of Resistance of Iran. And we talked with him about what happened after a young woman was killed in the custody of the so-called morality police. Then it got worse when another young lady died. We talk with him today about this. Ali Reza, thank you for taking time to talk with us. There is a really horrible situation that's unfolding in Iran right now involving a young woman who was wearing a hijab and somehow she ended up dead. Explain to me and to our audience exactly what happened there. Well, what happened uh, just a few days ago was um, really the story of uh, almost every day of Iran in the past 43 years. Um, A young woman um, with no political activism or anything, uh, she was actually properly covered, but she was picked up by the what they call the morality uh, police. Um, That is really a tool by the state security forces, by the Revolutionary Guards, to suppress the population and exert their misogynist views on the population. And after she was uh, picked up within two hours, uh, she ended up in the hospital in coma uh, in between her arrest and ending up in the hospital, according to witnesses and all the other indications, she was badly beaten and tortured in the police van and also at the detention with severe blows to uh, her brain uh, that she basically became, uh, you know, brain dead, and within three days uh, she died. What do we know about this young woman? Where is she from? And, and you know, what do we know about her background? You know, she was um, uh, a young twenty-two-year-old uh, girl in the city of uh, Sardes, which is a relatively small town in the Kurdistan province, in the western part of uh, Iran. And um, she had a lot of um, ambitions, uh, hopes for the future. 
Um, she was very active in arts and, uh, you know, like many other uh, Iranian women, uh, she came with her brother to Tehran for just a visit and she got off the metro. She was picked up um, by the so-called morality police. And then, uh, you know, within two hours, she went to coma and dead. Um, but what you saw really as a result of her death is really the story of today's Iran. Her name was Masha Imani, uh, rather Masha Amini. And um, it's my understanding, as you said, that she 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 was wearing a, her hijab, wearing it properly. Uh, and somehow she ends up dead. And that is just so tragic. And I, I want to make sure the family knows just how sorry we are about this. And every other woman and every other man, child in Iran that goes through this kind of thing. And of course, yourself as well, because we've known you for many years, how sorry we are that this happens and has happened. But why does this keep happening? Ali Reza. Um you know, uh, JJ, um, uh, Masa Amini, um, it, it was like her innocence, um, her sincerity that touched everybody in the country, not just Iran. And before you knew it, it was all over the world. And she somehow, um, with her death, told the story of the Iranian women, Iranian girls, and the Iranian population as a whole. Um, the fact that um, her death sparked tremendous outrage all around the country. Um, and she became, uh, you know, from an unknown uh, girl to perhaps the most um, uh, tweeted um, hashtag with her name, um, uh, over 100 million hashtags used by that. Uh, is tremendous. Um, and, and that's why um, I think it, it basically triggered uh, the uh, outburst of, of uh, expressions of protests all over the country. Why? Because Iran was like a, a powder keg. There was so much anger, so much um, uh, vented, uh, with so much um, you know, dissatisfaction among the population that her death basically triggered all of that. And it wasn't just in her hometown or home state. It spread to all the 31 provinces of uh, Iran. It wasn't, you know, she was, um, uh, her background is Kurdish, but it didn't matter. You had young uh, girls, older women, young men, old men, people in different, all over the country who related to her and her story and they took to the streets because they said, this is, this is the end of it, enough is enough. Um, and um, they, it showed to the whole world and the, also particularly the people of Iran that there is no solution for the misery of the Iranian people except ending the rule of the clerics. And that's what, uh, why, what we see now all over the country. They have, the protests have spread to 156 cities in all 31 provinces. As of today, which is the 12th day of the protests, um, over 240 people have been killed, 12,000 have been arrested, and the protest is still ongoing. Um, despite all the, uh, the killings, all the repression, the regime has not managed uh, to uh, end the protests. So what then will it take 
to stop this regime, to stop this kind of behavior, stop this kind of activity. I know this is something you and your organization and many others, let's just be frank about it, have been after and trying to work on for decades. But this regime is still there. The Ayatollah is still there. Um, what will it take to end this regime? Well, you know, keep in mind that the, <clears throat> the regime ruling Iran is the most barbaric um, phenomena we have ever seen in our history and perhaps in the history of the world. Um, they use religion um, uh, as, a, as a tool uh, to maintain power. Uh, they rule by killing and eliminating uh, their opponents. Um, they're not Muslims. Um, they use Islamic uh, extremism as a cover for their repression. And, um, and I think the fact that over the past 43 years, a very high price has already been paid. Now is the time. What happened um, in the past 10 days, it wasn't a spontaneous thing that just happened now. Uh, this is the continuation of 43 years of struggle against this regime. Just in the summer of 1988, 30,000 political prisoners um, were massacred in the Iranian prisons based on a fatwa or religious decree issued by then Supreme Leader uh, Ruhollah Khomeini against the main Iranian opposition movement who are Muslims themselves, uh, you know, the opposition, the MEK, um, saying uh, that anyone who remains steadfast and believes in this, uh, in this organization needs to be executed. And they, um, they brought every single prisoner before a panel of four people. One of them was Ibrahim Raisi, the current president of the Iran regime. And within two months, they massacred 30,000 political prisoners. The vast majority of them belong to this movement. And all throughout these years, so many um, members of the opposition um, have been killed. You know, they fought this regime. They created a culture in the, um, these opposition members created a culture of saying no to the Ayatollahs, a culture of resistance, a culture of keeping your beliefs and ideas and paying the price and not sub submitting to the tyranny and the dictatorship. And that's why when Mahsa Amini is killed, that culture, that tradition comes to life again and people pour into the streets and they, and they demand change. So what does it take uh, to end all of that? Uh, the only way really left is the overthrow of this regime, not the Iraqi style, not you know, by external force, rather by the will of the people of Iran as you can witnesses, witness it all over the country. The good thing is that there is organized opposition on the ground. There is um, what they call resistance units. These are young people. Um, you know, many of them are actually female. Um, and you have seen perhaps the video clips in the social media that how women are the ones who are in the forefront. They are daring to stand up against the repressive guards and they confront them, push them back. And they feel this is the moment for them. And I also think this is the moment for the rest of the world uh, to, to stand on the side of the people of Iran. Uh, and, and all they really need to do is to recognize the right of the people of Iran to unseat the repressive rulers. That's all they need to do, you know, defending them, standing on their side, depriving the enemy, depriving the Iran regime of the resources they need 
to suppress the population, condemning every action the regime does and supporting the people's uh, uh, right to overthrow the Ayatollahs. Okay, that's 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 a great concept. That that is great in theory. But how now can you keep this momentum going? Well, um, first of all, it's amazing that the momentum has been kept so far this long. Um, you know, there were several rounds of uh, nationwide protests uh, starting in late 2017, early 2018, and then in November 2019, and then again in uh, January 2020. Um, and each of those protests, uh, the regime brought brute force into the scene, killing so many people. And within two or three days, they managed to, uh, you know, to put down the revolt until the next round. Um, this time, this is the 12th day, and they haven't been able to do it. Uh, second, what you see now, which is different, is the intensity um, of the, the protests in the country. The people are, are, are more confrontational than they have ever been. Um, you see the very young generation involved. This is the generation that have seen nothing but the Ayatollahs, uh, you know, the millennials, the, uh, the Z generation. They are the ones who are in the streets. All sectors of society are involved. And so that's why we need to really galvanize um, the uh, international community behind them. We need to support those who are on the ground um, fighting um, the Ayatollahs, fighting the regime um, and, and be their voice. And eventually, um, uh, you know, JJ, there is no dictatorship in the world that has ruled forever. Um, there is a timeline for them. And I think the time for the Ayatollahs uh, is long, long past. What kind of support are you getting from the U.S. and the government here and uh, governments in other places? High level support are you getting? Well, um, you know, the um, uh, U.S. government has already uh, put out statements um, condemning what the, the, the killing of Masa Amini, but also the killing of the protesters. Um, uh, they have uh, uh, mentioned that they are supporting um, efforts to provide um, Internet uh, access to the protesters and the people uh, on the ground. Um, U.S. Congress has gotten involved and in putting out statements in support of the, uh, the uprising. But we need to go further than that. Um, I think we need to realize that um, it's not something that temporarily that you would put out a statement and then, you know, uh, be just to be on the right side. Uh, you need to throw your weight um, of the international community behind the people in Iran. And, and if there is the willing to do that, they know what to do. Uh, they know what, what it takes. Um, look at the case of South Africa, how the whole world um, uh, lined up against the apartheid. Look at the case of the, uh, you know, <clears throat> in Poland, um, the solidarity movement in Poland, how the whole world galvanized behind them. And eventually, um, you know, that, that rule will, will collapse. The same thing needs, needs to be lined up right now regarding the, uh, the people of Iran. The actual work is done by the people of Iran. They are the ones who are um, engaged in overthrowing it. Uh, there is an organized resistance movement in Iran. You mentioned that, uh, JJ, about the, um, you know, our movement, what we have done over the years, exposing all the major nuclear sites of Iran, exposing the entire terror operation of the regime, paying a very high price, uh, tens of thousands of the um, members of this movement have been executed by the Iranian regime. It has a very solid network of activities on the ground in Iran. 
Um, uh, so there is no worries on the ground. The, uh, what really needs to be done is to line up pressure against the regime. You don't want to give them more money. You don't want to, you know, uh, uh, relieve them from any kind of limitations or sanctions. Um, instead, you want to build up pressure on the regime, make them pay the price for every single person they kill, pay the price for every uh, single, single terror operation uh, they conduct. And, and then, you know, th you will see the difference. Ali Reza, Jafar Zadi, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We appreciate the opportunity to learn more about this. Unfortunately, this tragic situation involving Masha Amini. But um, hopefully her parents and her family will find some solace in the support for her. And um, hopefully um, justice will be done. Thank you again, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I want to add one more point, uh, JJ. You know, um, it's not um, a coincidence that, um, you know, it's a woman uh, death that triggers um, what we have seen in the streets of Iran all over the country. Uh, because this regime is vehemently misogynist, the core of repression of this regime against the women. And it's not a coincidence that in, in the ranks of the opposition, the opposition itself is led by women. You know, our leader is a woman, Mrs. Mayim Rajavi, and she has introduced a, a platform, a 10-point plan for the future of Iran based on gender equality, based on, you know, uh, ballot box as the only criteria for legitimacy, separation of church and state, freedom of expression, freedom of political parties, and a non-nuclear Iran. So um, that's why I think, um, you know, what you see now really corroborates with the realities on the ground. And uh, hopefully the mullahs will be swept away from the power from the, uh, by the forces that they never counted. Um, anything on them. You know, women are, are not even considered second, second, class, second class citizens by the regime. And now they're being confronted, um, you know, by the population led by women. And speaking of this confrontation, um, there, there is another case that came up um, involving another young woman who lost her life. Uh, and the circumstances be behind this one seem to be even more sinister than the original one that we've been talking about. Can you update us on this? Right. Um, as you said, um, um, uh, JJ, you know, the, um, there have been several cases of specific uh, young uh, uh, boys or girls who have been targeted and killed by the Iranian regime, and then their bodies were found later on or under different excuses. In this case, um, it's a case of uh, a 16-year-old uh, girl. Her name is... Uh, Nika uh, Shah Karami. Um, she's originally from uh, the uh, Luristan province in Khwarimabad, but she was uh, in Tehran. Uh, she was participating in the anti-government uh, demonstrations, and then she disappeared for about 10 days until the date that they um, eventually turned over uh, her body to the family, but not really allowing them to see them. They buried it. Uh, in a different location, but some of the people who had seen the body had seen signs of, of torture, of rape, of mistreatment. Um, her nose was broken, her, her body was, you know, deformed, and then the regime uh, brought up this um, ridiculous um, 
a story that, um, you know, she had fallen um, from uh, the, the building. Apparently she committed suicide. And these are the kind of stories that the regime uh, makes. Uh, you know, one person is eliminated. They say it was a heart attack. The other one is a suicide. The other one, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, accident. Um, so there's a, there's a, like a chain of elimination, targeted elimination of the uh, those who uh, chose to participate in the demonstrations. And um, so this way they can create fear among the population. Then they pressure the members of the family to hoping to find a cousin somewhere who would appear before the television and confess uh, to the same story that the regime is building up and no one buys any of these things. And, and the whole thing is increasingly backfire on the regime. And the latest case, as you said, is, uh, is this case of, um, you know, Neko Shah Karami. So um, we heard as well this week that the Iranian government actually had been conducting cross-border raids or uh, activities inside of Iraq in, in the Kurdistan territory in, in the northern part of the country um, because of these protests and because... I don't know. Maybe they're scared the protests are going to generate more attention and more problems for them inside of Iran. What have you heard about that? Well, certainly these uh, these attacks were conducted uh, cross-border, uh, targeting the uh, the Kurdish dissidents, members of the uh, you know uh, Kurdish Democratic Party of Iran, and and others who were targeted with the intention of uh, creating intimidation, deviating attention. Uh, from what is really happening um, inside the country, trying to build up uh, repression and pressure on anybody who can play any role in the uprisings uh, inside the country. Keep in mind that um, um, up until now, um, for this is where we have entered the fourth week of these protests, which is longer than all the other previous uprisings from you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and, and this is a clear indication that the population are so determined. And you can see it in their slogans, you know, death to Khamenei, death to the dictator, uh, death to the oppressor, be it the Shah or the, uh, the clerics, um, uh, showing that, you know, things are expanding. You have the young students getting involved. A lot of the uh, schools, school girls are involved in uh, protesting against the regime, chanting slogans against the government. University students got involved. Over 100 universities were involved over the past three days um, after the regime targeted the top elite university of Iran, known as Sharif University of Technology, which is known as the MIT of Iran. You know, that's where I went to school uh, when I was, uh, was in Iran. And, and um, uh, yet, you know, they were hoping that this way they can frighten other students. Uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, you know, more people are joining, more sectors of the society are participating in the protests. You have the students, you have the workers, uh, you have women heavily involved. You have all sectors of society in all 31 provinces of Iran. And, and this Iran uprising, many people are chanting, don't call it uprising, it's a revolution. Okay, so this particular revolution, how is it different from what's happened in the past? Because there have been situations in the past where there have been revolutions or uprisings, um, as we have called them here in the West, but this is a revolution, you say. So what is different 
with this situation than before in terms of where what the outcome could be? Well, uh, keep in mind that um, a year ago, um, there was a new president installed and handpicked by the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei. This new president is Ibrahim Raisi. And uh, his mission uh, was to uh, prevent exactly what's now happening in Iran, to prevent the restart of these uprisings that uh, were all over Iran since 2017. And the reason they handpicked Raisi, because you know he's notorious for uh, the horrible role he has played all his life uh, in killing people, putting people in, in jail and torturing them, including the 1988 massacre of as many as 30,000 political prisoners, 90% of them belonging to the main Iranian opposition movement, uh, the MEK, hoping that you know, by installing Raisi, people will be frightened and there would be no chance of restart of these, these protests. So keep in mind, this is happening after Raisi. Second, uh, you know, what's different now in, compared to the previous demonstrations is that it's very highly organized. Um, the fact that it has continued this long, um, over three weeks uh, going into the fourth week, the way it's so focused on the Supreme Leader, Khamenei, and the, the, the regime itself as a whole, even though different issues come up from, you know, the covering of the hair, the hijab, and all of these things, but they all quickly turn into slogans against the entirety of the regime. The fact that, unlike previous ones, uh, both the larger cities and the smaller towns, both the intellectuals and um, the poor and the deprived are involved in the protests, it shows how really nationwide it is. This is like a, a national movement on the part of the people, like nothing you had seen uh, seen before. And the repressive forces has, have not been uh, uh, as effective as they wanted to be. They were hoping that, they, you know, with killing over 400 already, um, this will put down the, you know, the, the uprising. It hasn't. And look at the uh, amount of uh, international support that it has generated all over the world. Um, from the United States to European nations to countries in the region to you know to celebrities, everyone is talking about Iran. It's talking about the desire of the people of Iran for change. We didn't see that kind of a situation. That's why I feel, uh, given especially the organized nature of this movement, um, this uh, hopefully will 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 succeed uh, sooner rather than later. All right. So um, at the end of at the end of all of this. Um... What is it that it would take for the protesters to be satisfied? Regime change. Um, this is this is the only way that uh, that will satisfy the protesters is to see the end of the rule of the clerics. Um, and they are so determined um, because they have experienced everything else before, uh, you know, the, the elections, uh, reform promises. Uh, they tested everyone and everything, and, and nothing satisfies them now. And they have realized, the people have realized, that if we are, we see the, the poverty that is engulfing the country. You know, Iran is a huge country, very rich country. It has the second largest oil and gas reserves in the world. And look, you know, not even mentioning all the natural resources, the human resources, the very vibrant generation that is there, yet two-thirds of the population live below the poverty line. Why? The corruption. You know, all the money goes to the clerics and the revolutionary guards. The level of repression that is out there, it has really convinced everyone that no matter what the problem is in the country, there's only one solution for it. And that's regime change by the people of Iran, 
not the Iraqi style, not the you know, other models, uh, none of that is needed uh, or is called for, rather a genuine change from within. And you can see the, the level of dedication and the resolve on the part of population that 43 years of resistance against this regime, you know, this hasn't happened overnight. There's been a history of resistance against the Ayatollahs. All of that is now um, is paying off. And uh, we feel, everyone feels uh, that this, this is the moment. Uh, no matter, you know, how long more it will take, but the downfall of the Ayatollahs is inevitable. Ali Reza, as always, thank you for a very in-depth and concise and um, enlightening uh, uh, debrief and the discussion to help us understand the situation. It is it is a very serious problem that the world needs to watch. And thank you for bringing these details to us. Thank you so much, JJ. Always a pleasure to be on the show. And thank you for the great work uh, you're doing. Um, to inform the public about the realities on the ground that they may otherwise not have access to that information. Ali Reza, Jefferzadeh, updating us on a very difficult and troubling story. He's deputy director of the National Council of Resistance of Iran. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode... For President Putin, the objective of this ongoing war in Ukraine was basically to make Ukraine part of uh, imperialistic Russia. Tuli Dunetin is the Undersecretary for Defense Policy in the Estonian Ministry of Defense. She says Putin's objectives go much further than that. Uh, President Putin will uh, reach out and will test uh, Europe's unity also on uh, on allied countries' territories. And she warns this threat will not be a short-lived one. We will face a very long controversy between the Euro-Atlantic community and, uh, and uh, Russia. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me as I dig deep into the mysterious case of the Potomac River Rapist. Listen to Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's award-winning American Nightmare podcast series, available now wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? It's all-star and World Series champ Nick Swisher here, and I'm stoked to tell you about my new podcast, The Nick Swisher Show, right here on Podcast One. If you know me, you know I've worn a lot of hats in my career, and each one of them has had highs, lows and a whole lot of learning in between and that's exactly what i'm bringing to this podcast you're going to get crazy interviews with athletes from their struggles to their successes and all their unbelievable superstitions along the way you're going to hear from hometown heroes that are stepping up to the plate and making positive change 
and influences in their communities. I mean, we've got scientists, coaches, comedians. I'm telling you, whether you're an athlete, a parent, a coach, or just looking for a little energy in your life, then Home Plate is right here. It's old school soul with new school vibes. It's the Nick Swisher Show, coming soon wherever you get your podcast.